Hello, mamas, and welcome to the Mother Her podcast, the personal development podcast for mums ready to lead their life and their children bravely, confidently, and from a place of deep self-fulfillment, health, and happiness. I'm your host, Jade Abbey, motherhood empowerment coach, founder of the Motherhood community, and together we are going to redefine motherhood. In this podcast, I bring to you practical tools, inspiring teachings from global experts, insights into my own personal journey, as well as some good old humorous, honest mum-to-mum chats. So if you're ready to take on the journey to empowered motherhood, join me as I take that journey with you. Grab yourself a cuppa, get comfy and enjoy this episode. Hello, mamas. Welcome back for another episode on the Mother Hair Podcast. I'm so happy that you're joining me today. We have a very special episode with a very special mama. We have Jessica Ehrlich joining us today. Now, for you out there that don't know who Jessica is, she is actually a best-selling author and poet based in New Zealand. She lives there with her husband, her children, her two fur babies. And since picking up her pen back in 2018, after the arrival of her second baby, Jess has actually now become the author of three poetry books, all based on early motherhood. From One Mum to a Mother, All I See Is You and My After All, as well as her two children books, The Rainbow in My Heart and My Superpowers, and the soon-to-be-released You Hung the Moon, which is a beautiful gift book about the incredible bond between a mother and her child. Jess's passion for writing and sharing the honest, raw, beautiful truths of motherhood has now attracted over 400,000 supporters across her social media platforms and her books have graced over an incredible 50,000 homes across the world. So in this episode, Jess shares with us her journey into first-time motherhood and how writing became her creative and emotional outlet through her journey as a mother. We talk on the lessons and perspective shifts that motherhood can bring and how children have this potential to move us into more growth and self-realizations. Then lastly, Jess openly shares with us her experiences through the different stages of motherhood and navigating her relationship with her husband, how she managed the transition from one baby to two, and the changes through her postpartum journeys. So let's get stuck in, and without further ado, let's bring on the beautiful Jess Ehrlich. Welcome, Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's so good to have you here on the show. I can definitely say that you've been an absolute breath of fresh air for me on many occasions throughout my journey of being a mum. So I'm really looking forward to um, diving into this episode. And I'm going to dive into some really juicy, honest, relatable chats. So to kick us off, I'm like super curious to hear more about you and the woman and mother behind these beautiful words that you create. I'd love if you could start by just sharing like what your personal journey and entrance into first time motherhood was like for you and how those early stages unfolded. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll just start by saying, yeah, I'm, I'm Jess. I'm from New Zealand. I am a mother to two. I have one on the way um, during three weeks. <laughs> um, and I am an author and poet. Um, but I didn't really start off as an author. I just started off as someone who entered into motherhood having absolutely no idea what she was getting herself into. 
like probably most of us. I, would I was going to say as is all. <laughs> <laughs> but the first, so the first few weeks were quite hard for me. I had, I had a pretty easy pregnancy, but the birth was really difficult for me. So I sort of, it was, I guess you would say quite traumatic. So I kind of took that with me into that fourth trimester. And I think things snowballed a bit from there. So I had postnatal anxiety, which I battled through. um, And I found it quite hard to open up about that. I didn't talk to my husband about it for a long time because I just, I, I just didn't really see a lot of that like I was the first of my friends to have a baby. And so when I was on social media, I guess I was kind of like searching for people that I could relate to. And I just, I couldn't see much out there on it. So I Mm -hmm. thought I'll bottle it all up. I won't talk about it. And then one day I did finally open up, told my husband how I was feeling and sought some help. And that was a really big turning point for me. Um, So, I mean, as beautiful as it was, and it really is this love bubble, it's not like that all the time for everybody. Um, It can Mm. be really hard. And I think one of the hardest parts is, is, yeah, is that opening up and being honest about it. So it wasn't the easiest um, transition for me. But then having said that, four months later, I was pregnant again. And that was actually Mm. planned. And that was quite a different experience, having my daughter, a different birth, a different breastfeeding journey still suffered a bit of postnatal anxiety, but I'd previously sought help. So two very, very different journeys for me. Mm, Yeah. And isn't it crazy, like how we do really struggle with that, um, I guess that notion of that we should be strong, you know, and that asking for help is a sign of weakness. Like, I feel like that is so deeply ingrained in us all. Mm, And it can be so damaging, you know. But I know what you mean, like even just, you know, Instagram and it's a great way to find that that common ground. I've definitely, I can relate to that so much. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, we are, we are superheroes, but I think sometimes we take that in the way that superheroes can do it all and superheroes don't ask for help. And it's just not the case. I mean, we're human. Everyone needs help. Everyone needs to open up and, and, and be vulnerable at times. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I'd love to know, like, when was the moment for you when you first decided to, I guess, turn to write in to process your experience of motherhood? Like, do, do you feel your experience with motherhood would have looked differently for you if you hadn't had this like creative mental, emotional outlet with writing? Um, do you feel writing has, has gifted you in that process? Yeah, absolutely. Cause I, I used to write. Um, I've always enjoyed writing poetry, but it was never, quite like this I mean it's different now when you write you you write on a platform and you share to all these people and you know I guess back in the day it was like you just wrote in your journal or you yeah maybe wrote a book or or whatnot and now it's it's so amazing because everyone's like gifted these platforms to express themselves and make connections with other people and that's really just how it started I think I was six months postpartum with my second and um, I just kind of found myself in a bit of a slump like I needed something for me and my husband actually suggested that I get back into writing again and that I just start an Instagram account and just put my writing out there my thoughts out there and if you know no one saw it that was fine it was for me anyway and that's what I that's what I started to do and that's kind of how this whole um, community came about is that the things that I was putting out there other people were resonating with and some of them were pretty raw and it was quite um, nerve-wracking I guess posting about baby blues and and talking about things that you felt you might get potentially some backlash on but I never really 
experienced that. I was really fortunate to just have a really loving, solid, supportive community evolve around me. And mm. that made a huge difference because some of us, we do find our village online. Like, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, and 100%, like you just, sometimes you need, I don't know, like for me, and I know a lot of mums deal with like this sense of loneliness through motherhood. Like, did you experience a lot of that? Even when yeah. we're surrounded by, you know, so much support as well. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have like my mum works full time. Um, I had someone to come and help a couple of times a week. Um, she was a family friend that we we sort of paid to get her to come. It was just twice a week for three hours. But honestly, those days, sometimes I would be waiting at the window for her car to pull up. I was so excited mm. um, just to have someone come around. Because <laughs> as I said, like, I was the first of my friends to have kids. Um, so we were kind of doing different things. And it, it's not like they weren't there for me, but we were at different stages of our lives. And I guess when you don't have kids yourself, you might not know, you might see photos uploaded and think, oh, she's acing it. Oh, look, everything looks so great in her life. Look mm. at her beautiful babies. But you, you're not going to show the parts that are hard. And there are so many hard parts. And... Yeah, I was. I definitely did experience that loneliness despite being in the best company. I I did feel that. And I especially having two a year apart, you know, the conversations are still pretty one-sided. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, what well, that aspect I did find hard. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, like for me, I feel like the loneliness is it's not so much because when we think of loneliness, we think of physical loneliness, you know, yeah. people around us. And I don't think it's that it wasn't that for me it's more and going back to that not being able to express our struggles and thinking that we are alone in our struggles I feel like that's where the loneliness comes from it's like Mm. am I the only one that's dealing with this right now like until you do you find that online community it really opens your eyes up like wow actually we are all dealing with very very similar struggles they differ but you know and I think honestly when I say you've been such a breath of fresh air it's having those mothers that can really openly and transparently share their truth and their journey as exactly as it is Mm -hmm. is so refreshing for mums because it invites them in to do the same yeah, it kind of gives them that, that permission to do the same and realize like there's a way to talk about the lows as well and sometimes I I sort of think because we talk about the highs so much because there are so many highs and they will always, always outshine the lows. But it's okay to talk about the lows because it doesn't mean that you don't love being a mother. It doesn't mean Mm. that you don't love them. It just means that there are some hard days and you're normal. Um, They're hard. They feel hard because they are hard. And I think, yeah, seeing that. And I mean, that's another reason why um, I had the courage to put some of this writing out there because I saw other people posting about this stuff too. It took me a while to find the right accounts to follow. But um, yeah, it gave me that permission. And it's this like really beautiful, vulnerable flow on effect. And like just going back to just something you said before, it reminded me, I remember talking about how excited I was obviously to have to to be a stay-at-home mom for that first year because I was going to go back to work. I remember my Nana saying to me, she goes, it, it, is, it is amazing, but the days can be quite mundane sometimes and feel very monotonous. And I thought, oh, you know, negative Nana, like just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when I was feeling that, how grateful I was that she had shared that because she hadn't shared it in a way that was negative. Mm. It was just in a way like, I just want to let you know that 
there is so much to look forward to. But if you do feel like this some, at some stage, I've been there. It's normal. And I just remember feeling so seen in that moment because she mm. had that to me. Yeah. And when those times do come, you kind of got that knowledge of like, again, you're not alone. Like, okay, yeah. you know, we all all experience that. Um, okay. So what would you say has been, I guess, your biggest lesson since becoming a mum? I'd love to hear. Like, And by lessons, I mean... What are the things you've discovered about yourself and how have those realizations impacted your life? I think, oh gosh, there's been so, so many, but one of the the pivotal ones for me has been around raising a highly sensitive child. Um, I think growing up, I I don't have a close relationship with my father at all, but I do with my mum. But I know that, you know, that generation and even more so the one before, expressing your feelings probably wasn't something that was as celebrated or encouraged as it is today. And so I think I spent a lot of time in my childhood, you know, thinking being brave was not crying or um, squashing how I felt was important because it might make someone else uncomfortable. Um, Whereas these days it's so different and we're wanting to bring up our little boys and our little girls to feel empowered to express how they feel. We don't want these children to grow up into adults suppressing and bottling up their emotions and then exploding. And I mean, they're so lucky to have parents now who are trying to change this pattern, mm. but it's really hard coming from, it's, it's really hard parenting in a way that you weren't parented. So, cause you're almost reparenting yourself and all these mirrors are being held up to you and that's well that's what's happened for me with my son anyway I feel like I'm triggered so often by some of his reactions because he's so highly sensitive and yeah it really has been this whole realization of stepping back asking myself why are you so triggered were you not listened to or were you not given the space in this situation as a child And then just literally sitting beside him in that uncomfortableness and just allowing him the space to feel how he does. And I, it's just been a really big learning for me and discovering that I'm highly sensitive as well. It's yeah. I mean, it's the most beautiful, beautiful thing. I feel so gifted to have been given this child to raise and love and nurture who is highly sensitive because it is the most beautiful trait, but it is incredibly challenging when you're a highly sensitive parent yourself. Mm, That is absolutely beautiful and so powerful. And I believe that our children are brought to us usually, like I would say, children act as our biggest mirrors. They show us everything that needs to be seen. And I believe that because I've experienced it with my daughter and it can be a hard pill to swallow sometimes, like taking ownership of my own triggers and getting curious about them rather than projecting them back onto her when it's really, you know, they're absolutely nothing to do with them. It's, it's usually it's something coming from within us which I found an absolute mind blow. I wasn't aware of any of that when I first became a mum. It's yeah. incredible. And even like going out, I remember when she was younger and we'd go out to the shops and say she'd have a really, really challenging time, you know, and absolutely have a meltdown in the middle of the shops. I used to get super triggered in those moments. 
and realizing that that was coming from my own discomfort and actually more about me fearing the judgment of how I was being perceived as a parent. Absolutely. It's it's so hard when you're in public because you kind of feel like you're on a bit of a stage um, mm. and everyone's kind of watching you. And I think it's also kind of hard these days as well because like while we're given, there's so many wonderful Instagram accounts out there and articles and experts and this, that and the other, but you know, we have these tools now of of how to, I guess, help our children in those red zone moments. But sometimes everything feels so scripted that you're like, oh, am I going to say the wrong thing? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I should have said this instead. And so our natural instinct of what we would say kind of gets suppresses and it gets a little bit confusing. So I I battled with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I still do, but now I'm like, no, no, he's, he's, he's my son I understand him I get how he works and I know what is the right thing to say but there have been some moments that have been incredibly hard because my son also has um, dyspraxia and a sensory processing disorder so it's kind of like that other layer of overwhelm and so when he does get into that red zone um, and especially now he is almost five but he he's a really big boy so he kind of looks like he's seven I feel like I definitely get judgmental eyes because people don't understand. They think, oh, he's just a naughty boy having a tantrum. He shouldn't be tantruming at that age. But it's there's such a difference between a tantrum and a meltdown. And, you know, a meltdown is obviously where they are in sensory overload. Mm-hmm. And so you can't say anything to them really in that moment. You kind of just have to hear them. You just have to be there. And that's really uncomfortable because you're essentially letting your child just scream and, and you know, a lot of people's eyes tantrum um, until they kind of calm down and you can talk to them. And yeah. that is, I mean, that is triggering and, un- and uncomfortable regardless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you said, like, especially when you feel like you've got an absolute like huge audience just sat there observing every moment. Um, and hard when you've got another kid with you too. Like that's, that's really hard because um, that can also set your other child off it's definitely challenging it is I can imagine I mean obviously I don't have two just yet but yeah the the idea of managing that while one of them is having a bit of a meltdown that must be really hard as well Mm. so like was there a pivotal point for you of when you came to those realizations like what was it that made you realize okay this isn't to do with my child like this is something that I need to look at with in myself like was there a pivotal point Um, was it more of a progressive thing probably more of a progressive thing. There was a pivotal point where I realized that maybe we were dealing with something a little bit um, different to just the usual tantrums and meltdowns. And that's when I, um, he was still too young to be diagnosed at that point, but that's when I started to do quite a bit of research online. I'd taken him and uh, my daughter to a museum and he has always had a trigger with sleep, waking up from sleep and basically it would almost be because he suffered from night terrors for a long time too so if he fell asleep in the car and we were on our way to go somewhere for a play date I would normally just turn around and go home because I knew that if he woke up there it would be like half an hour of a meltdown and so anyway we were at this museum and he had woken up and um, it was really windy outside and I was trying to get Holly who was baby at the time into the front pack and get him out and I didn't bring the pram but I was holding his hand and he was just beside himself from just have just having woken up, the wind, even just the sliding doors, you know, weren't opening properly. Like it just 
it's just sensory overload for him straight away. And when we got in there, he just did not want to go in. So I was like, cool, let's just go. But then he didn't want to go either. And I had this lady, this, um, I think she worked in the cafe there. She just came over and stood next to me. She knew she couldn't do anything. I couldn't even really pick him up. It was really difficult. But she said, can I help you? And I said, no, like you being here is help. Like you even just standing here supporting me is help. But no, there's nothing you can do. Thank you. And then I somehow got him back to the car screaming. He screamed all the way. I drove straight to mum's. Um, luckily, she was home that day. And I remember just sitting there in the chair. He wanted to be cuddled by me. At the time, I did not want to cuddle him. I was so, I was bawling my eyes out. I was just so upset. Felt like I just didn't know what to do. That I just couldn't manage these days on my own. And yeah, I was, I was cuddling him. Mum was cuddling me. And it was just like this moment of just like, you always need your mum, you know, like I just, just having that support from her here, I am supporting my son feeling like I don't really know how to support him right now, but I'm going to support you anyway. And I think that was the pivotal moment for me anyway, realizing, okay, he needs, he does need help. I need to get help so I can help him. And that's kind of when we started our journey through the GP and, um, figuring out you know we went on a wait list for a pediatrician anyway we've been on this journey for a couple of years now and it has just made the world of difference um Mm. things are just a lot easier now he is who he is and that's that's the best thing about him but knowing how his brain works and how we can support him um has been an absolute game changer yeah I can imagine just even just that level of understanding allows you to navigate it so differently yeah Mm. And it's so interesting. I just want to go back to like one thing that you pointed out in regards to that situation. And like you said, he needed to be comforted in that moment. Like it just made me think that's another thing that I've sometimes found really challenging is in those times of, you know, when I did get really super triggered and you can see they see it straight away. And I don't know the way my daughter usually reacts is for her, her instant reaction is to, I guess, want her own validation of you still love me. Right. And like wanting that cuddle, but then you wanting, needing that space and being so filled with so many overwhelming emotions that's been hard. It, it is it is really challenging, but to be able to break through that, it's not like it's a grudge or anything, but it's like a, almost just like, a, I'm not ready. Like you have, like I am reeling over the situation. You've bounced back way too quick and I'm yeah. not being able to even yeah. process what you just put me through because um, you're feeling things and I'm feeling things because you're feeling things. It's, yeah, it is such a, it is a tornado of everything and there's so many emotions, but I found that, being able to break through that no like I don't want to hold my arms out to you but doing it anyway Mm. like I'm still in the very early stages of motherhood I guess but I'm really hoping that that right there that unconditional like no I can handle this you're not too much for me I can do this I'm just hoping that that really stays with him and is ingrained into him and her as they as they grow in this way that they know I'll always be their safe place no matter what Mm. it's really challenging Mm. but that's so beautiful and I think a hundred percent I have no doubt that they will they like I said they they know they sense so much and I just feel like in giving them that invitation to no matter what you're currently going through you know me and you we can still be there for each other and accepting it wholeheartedly and just for them to know that whatever they're feeling no matter what emotions they're going through they're still loved they're still heard they're still seen yeah Mm. 
So I'd like to go on to a topic which I feel like is is something that so many of us are challenged with going into motherhood, but is not talked about as much as the challenges with our partnerships. I know it's something that you have wrote about quite openly and honestly. What do you feel are some of the biggest realizations and growth that you've had within your partnership since becoming a mum? There's been so, so much. I don't even know where to start. I think you see a lot of happy photos. I mean, we went out, I think it was, I can't even remember. It might have been five weeks after Harry was born to get some newborn photos. And they were beautiful photos. But like, if you were just to look at these photos, you'd be like, oh, like, you know, again, going back to what I said, they're acing it. Everything looks so perfect. But I remember like my nipples were all cracked. I had forgotten the bottle and the formula. And I got there, I was in an absolute flustered state. And like, I just felt like my husband and I, we were just ships in the night and not just in the night. We were just ships floating past each other in the house, just trying to, like, it, it was almost like we became more of a productive team than, like, the, the relationship kind of just had to sit over to the side for a while while we just became a team to just mm. figure out what the heck we were doing. And I think, we, you know, like, that happens to a lot of a lot of people like yeah it is amazing and you do share these beautiful moments but you have to have I think a pretty solid foundation going in because it is the biggest test because it's not just about you it's about something else like all of a sudden this love you have for each other like you've got this extension of that and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like it's it becomes part of you but it also gets in the middle like in between you a little bit as well at the beginning and so Obviously, we weren't prepared for that. Like no one can know what they're getting themselves into straight away. It's it's all learning. I think another big thing that we learned was what actually matters and what doesn't. And that has been a process. So like all the things you think you need to have ready for your new baby, you know, like a lot of it is important, but really no one talks about actually the discussions with your partner about what night times are actually going to look like. Because we were just up all the time I felt like we didn't sleep for the first two years (laughs) and there were nights where I just like would actually just curse him because I was like you're so lucky that you don't have boobs right now (laughs) and you know like I just look at him sleeping I mean he's been very hands-on like he's very he's he's good he gets up in the night does all those sorts of things but you know I was breastfeeding so with my second so he couldn't really do much but there was just I don't know it's yeah you kind of drift you you drift apart but you come back together and you drift apart it's not like it's not like you don't love each other anymore it's just you just don't have that same time and that can be really that's a really hard transition because you kind of miss each other a little bit to begin with Mm, yeah hugely especially going into first time parenthood is huge shift but like going back to what you said as well, like it's so, so true how we, I feel like we, we put so much energy and time and resources into preparing for baby and, you know, all the aesthetic stuff, you know, the perfect nursery, the best pram, cot, clothes. And I guess one thing that I've come to realize, something that I really hope to bring into this next time round is preparing that little bit differently and and prioritizing what I'm preparing, i.e. my postpartum care, um, my communication with my partner and having that solid plan there. You know, I was having these conversations with my partner as well. And I'm just like, we really need to 
constantly communicate through this. And I guess both of us been on the same page with knowing that, you know, this isn't going to be an easier ride. Like you said, they're probably going to be those ebbs and flows of coming together, feeling distant. But just that communication, I feel, is just so key. Yeah, and and just the checking in, like, how are you? How are you feeling? How are you doing? Making each other laugh. That I mean, that for me is medicine. Like Drew mm-hmm. and I, we have that type of relationship where we are also friends. Like we roast each other a lot and we have a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, getting little bits of that back and in front of the kids has been really cool. Like, you know, them kind of getting to know us, not just yeah. as my dad, but like as who we actually are. Like we are just silly and we are just kind of like big kids, I guess, in a way. And that's been really nice but that has come to the forefront only in the last probably couple of years I mean we were but but this is just remembering you know we did have two a year apart so it was it was essentially like having two babies and we were very busy we didn't have we don't like Drew's families all over in Australia just got my mom I've got my grandparents but they're a lot older now so we didn't have lots of um, hands-on help so it really was just us two and by the time he would walk through the door I was just like right you know, this needs to be done, this needs to be done, I've got this done, um, night routine now, you know, and I tried really hard not to be that wife that he, you know, he's just had a big day at work and he's coming home and I'm like, Ugh, what, what must it be like to walk into this house? But then I'm like, actually, I've had a really shit day, <laughs> it's been really hard, baby's yours now, thanks, I need five minutes in my room, Tar. And honestly, we had a lot of those days. I am just so grateful that he you know, didn't linger in the car for too long before he came inside. Just things like that. Like, <laughs> Those ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just grateful for that. He he understood and he could see the look on my face sometimes. I I was never good at plastering on a smile and pretending that um I had my shit together. But, you know, I didn't do that with him because we had that solid relationship and foundation that I can just kind of let it all hang out. But at the same time, I also want to be that place for him. So um, it is a real, it is a real balance. So the constant communication, as you said, and the constant checking in, I just think, and the giving each other grace as well. Like it's not always oh. going to be 50-50. There are some days where it's going to be, can't remember who said that. I think it might've been in a Brene, Brene Brown podcast. And mm. it really yeah. hit me. It was like, some days it's going to be 30 um, and it's never, you can never expect it to always be 50 50. You got to take turns. And it's just so true. Yeah. Working as a team to kind of bring those, it is going to be like that ebb and flow for sure. Yeah. And going back to like what you said, one thing that I kind of struggled with, you know, those had long days that you've had and your partner's been at work all day and he comes back. And for me, I had a lot of, I don't know if you'd call it sensory overload, but like just constantly being needed and, you know, with your baby all day. And then you kind of like needing that bit of space and your partner coming home ready to, I don't know, be intimate or I've had those days where I'm just like, I just don't want to be touched. <laughs> I just oh, yeah. need some space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, same. And I felt awful. Like, honestly, I went through a stage where I, he'd walk in and I'd just be like hunched over the kitchen sink, just like almost resentful, but I wasn't resentful of him because he had to go to work and this was our situation and I wanted to be at home. I wanted that, but I was just like, oh, I've just had such a hard day and this, this shit is so hard and mm, I'm just so angry. And then he'd come in and, you know, he'd like give me a kiss on the cheek and I just kind of almost wanted to just like shrug him off. But, you know, I didn't because I really wanted him there and I was so happy that he was home, but it's like, it's just a real 
Yeah, it's it's really hard to try and balance and place all of those feelings and make sense of them. But I guess it's good to talk about it because I think mm, it it's a bit of an internal battle sometimes, isn't it? It must be confusing for the men. <laughs> They're like, what oh, do you want? Totally. <laughs> I want you to be here, but yeah. I don't need to touch me. I just need to, you know. <laughs> but when you sometimes do, you when you be heard. on your day, you do feel really touched out. And mm, 100%. I'd love to talk a bit about your, I guess, you going back, you know, to the transition of moving from a mother of one to a mother of two. You've got another one on the way shortly. You know, I know there was quite a short period of time between one and two. So what Mm. was your experience with that? And how did you manage your own postpartum recovery in that quite swift transition, I guess? Um, My postpartum recovery was okay. I didn't really have any issues physically. We had an okay birth. And um, so I was quite, quite grateful that I didn't have to battle any complications there or any injuries. It was just the balance of having two so close together that um, I I found really challenging in the sleep deprivation. I remember when Drew had to go back to work, I think it was, he was home for two weeks Um, and I had a little bit of help from mum and stuff too. But I remember the first day I was on my own, I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Because both of them needed to be like cuddled to sleep or patted to sleep or whatnot. Holly needed to be fed to sleep. And it was just so challenging. And like even trying to cast my mind back now thinking like, how did I do that? I just don't even know. But I did it like you do because we do and we survive somehow all that sleep deprivation we get through. But I don't know how I did it because some days were really challenging. Um, It was even challenging just the concept of leaving the house. And another thing was like, you know, when you have them so close together, the phases and stages are all so close together, but also moving so quickly, Mm. you know, like the shift between, for example, four months to six months is so huge because then, you know, they're starting solids. And so you're trying to keep up with two kids that are constantly changing in their leaps Mm. and stages and phases. So I found that really challenging, but you know, fast forward to now, or, you know, even a year later from that stage, it's been the most rewarding thing ever having them so close because they really are best mates. I mean, they're best Mm. mates can fight and want to tear each other's head off as well, but (laughs) they really are like the best of friends. And so while it was challenging, it also was like the best decision that we made. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm interested as well. I'm like, you know, I need my tips because I was like, you know, it's going to be so different having, I mean, I'm in a different situation. I've got like quite a big age. Well, she's six. She's going to be six when baby comes along, you know, and it's so interesting, even though I feel like as an individual, personally, I'm in a very different place to what I was when five, six years ago when I had Harlan. And especially now being in this space, Mm. you know, Mm. I almost feel like, okay, like I I should have this, right? Like, you know, I'm in this space all the time talking about postpartum wellness and prioritizing yourself. And so this is just going to be a real test, I guess, you know, the second one coming in and, and managing that. Yeah. I just kind of think sometimes, gosh, going to be days where it's going to be tough. Yeah, there and there will be. And I think there's going to be challenges no matter what age gap you have. I mean, this time around, it'll almost be five years between baby and my eldest and almost four years between baby and my youngest. So that's a, that's going to be so different for me. But I think actually really nice having that bigger mm. age gap this time because the, like you probably noticed as well, like how involved 
your child is pregnancy and how excited they are and they can sort of help a little bit and I mean I've I've talked to the kids as well about it's going to be noisy and baby will cry a bit and you know like I guess their expectations a three and a four-year-old's expectations aren't going to be quite the same as the reality so I'm trying to prepare them there a bit too but just seeing that excitement is just so lovely and just makes me so excited yeah yeah and like you said as well I definitely feel she's it's kind of a good age she's like Mm. you know got that dependency and she is just naturally you know wants to help with everything and she'll be talking about it like can I help with baby and I want to do this and I want to do that in the same breath though I'm as well I'm like I feel like I really want to try and be mindful of that and allowing her to also, you know, be a child and not putting too much of that burden on of her feeling like she has to be doing all these adult responsibilities as well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they suddenly do seem a lot older um, when you have a baby, even though it's small, that does happen. (laughs) Isn't it crazy as well, like especially with the girls, how they have this very innate, nurturing mothery side to them yeah holly's like that big time but actually do you know harry is like that too in a way i mean not at the same level as holly but he he definitely like he talks about his baby sister all the time and you know then he says oh but I don't want to help with the nappies and I'm like that's fine (laughs) you I'm not gonna ask you to do that because he's like because you know nappies they they smell and I'm like yeah (laughs) they do and then I think oh my goodness I'm gonna do all of this all over again can't believe it (laughs) yeah crazy crazy now um I'd love to just you know go back to your poetry I feel like just how beautiful and inspiring and relatable your writing is um we most definitely should share some of your own poetry (laughs) with our listeners today I know I'd love to hear some so would you mind sharing with us I guess one of your favorite pieces of writing and why it's your favorite and what that means to you yeah, sure. I'll share just a short one today because every time I do a long reading, my baby's so high at the moment, I just can't breathe. So I'll share a short one. I'll just find it. It's um, called Welcome to Motherhood and it kind of sums up the whole reason why I started this page um, on Instagram in the first place. Here it is. When I entered motherhood, I walked through a little door. This is motherhood, it read. Everyone sat there in stripy tops, exchanging pleasantries, things scattered all over the floor, bags overflowing, nervous smiles, connected by motherhood, disconnected by unspoken truths. Then someone said, I love being a mum, but this is also really hard. Then suddenly I didn't feel alone anymore. So that's just one of my little wee short ones. Oh, I love that. So powerful. Uh, Takes me right back to the... um, antenatal antenatal group days (laughs) Mm. so you wrote before going into motherhood is that right oh I did um but not often I think like I mean I had like a blog and I wrote lots of like starts of stories and things like that but I think like becoming a mum it was just so much I wanted to express and it was so cathartic in a way to help me deal with what I was going through that it just, I, I don't know, it kind of like opened me, it cracked me open in a, in a completely different way with my writing. Yeah, you certainly do have like a beautiful way with words. And again, just super relatable, super relatable. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Um, amazing. So tell us what's next for you. Do you have anything that you're currently creating? I'd love to hear, you know, what you have planned for the near future, apart from a new baby. <laughs> other, yeah, other than the baby in my belly. Yeah. Um, 
So I've just released a children's book called My Superpowers that came out on the 30th of August. Um, and that is all around, it's quite good for kids nearing school or already at school. It talks about things like um, persistence and empathy and resilience. Uh, and then I've got one coming out next year. I'm really excited. It comes out in February. It's called You Hung the Moon. And it's like a little hardback gift book full of beautiful illustrations um, and a verse of my poetry on each page. And it's kind of like a love letter between mother and child and, and the relationship and sort of the journey and how it comes full circle. So yeah, I can't wait for that one. I can't wait for that one. That sounds amazing. Well, I will definitely be supporting you and following you in your journey. That's for sure. And again, like I just want to finish our chat by thanking you for everything that you put out to women and mothers around the world and just openly sharing your gift, you know, and then writing and doing it in a way that is so raw and transparent and relatable. Like I said, it has been a breath of fresh air for me and I have no doubt for so many other mums. I believe your work is super important. So thank you so much. So lovely. Thank you for that. And thanks for having me. For all of our listeners, if you would also like to follow Jess's journey or grab your own copy of one of her incredible books, please make sure to head on over and show some love to her socials. Jess, um, how can our listeners find you today? Uh, they can find me on Instagram under Jess Erlish Writer. And um, it's probably the easiest way all my links will be in my bio. Amazing. Thank you, Jess. Thank you. Mamas, if you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more from the Mother Hair podcast, please make sure to spread the love, like and subscribe so you can keep up to date on all our latest episodes and interviews. You can also head on over via the link in the episode bio to the Mother Hair Instagram community for your weekly dose of inspiration, practical tools and talks. You can also find free resources, the Mother Hair blog and courses via my website link in the bio. See you all soon.